Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is February the 24th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day is sequester, which means to set apart or to segregate. Sequester. Looks like Florida Democrats are defying the governor's order by not lowering flags to half-mast to honor Rush Limbaugh. In fact, one Democratic representative said he didn't do anything to unite America as a whole, said he was very divisive, and he oftentimes, I guess, pretty much spewed senseless Racist rhetoric. Wow. Well, I guess we all are entitled to our own opinions. I mean, I guess him receiving the, uh, what was that, the Congressional Medal of Honor didn't sit well with a lot of people. And and, and despite him receiving that, they still perceive him for what they believe as one that was very divisive. Spoke with great racial tone, no undertone. Many, many said it was he was flat out racist in his talk, but uh, well, we'll see how that goes. Let's move along. Uh, New York Governor Cuomo finds himself in the hot seat. Oh, jump back now. Good old Governor Cuomo, you know, the one that was always bashing Trump and said that, uh, yeah, well, we all know what he said. They they went back and forth, and he was one of the main opponents of Trump when COVID started. Pretty much sometimes, a lot of times came out and said Trump didn't know what he was doing. They couldn't get the money because Trump was holding it up. Trump, in re- in response, you know, pretty much said he was a, I don't want to say bumbling idiot, but, yeah, you know, well, you know how, if, if you were, if you listened back then, you know how that narrative went. They were going back and forth. Now, he's in the hot seat because he's accused of undercounting nursing home deaths from COVID. When asked why, he stated he was trying to avoid A double count. Then he went as far as to say, uh, I was too busy. Then he's flat out said, uh, he didn't want to report to the Trump administration. I guess he finally told the truth on that. Because that's the only thing I could come up with. Only thing that sounds, well, neither one of the excuses sounded uh, pretty much like any sense. Because other states have, have... as far as the double count goes, other states have found ways around it. I mean, they just reported it as it was. They kept it separate. Even if those died that that died that came from nursing homes, where there's a little part in there that says place of residence, and you put the nursing home they come from, so they're counted with that. But apparently, it, he didn't want to somehow, some way, he thought there was a double count if he included them in the nursing home numbers as opposed to just, like I said, that line on those those forms or death certificates where it says place of residence and or place of demise or what have you, and you put 
well, nursing home. I mean, he, he just, I believe it was just a snub to the Trump administration, which was what turns out to be very foolish because now a Democratic assemblyman, Ron Kim, who belongs to the same party as Governor Cuomo, is calling for his impeachment. Wants him out. Also wants him to give back some money that he took from the hospital association. I believe it was almost uh, $2 million. Huh. All right. And along with that, the state attorney general is calling for an investigation. Mm-mm. It's not looking good for the old governor. You reap what you sow. The same way you scrutinize someone else. They can't come back on you. You can be scrutinized too. And chances are they may find something shady in what you were doing. I mean, like I said, I just don't understand how the not reporting or not reporting, you know, the nursing home deaths didn't want them to be double counted. When in fact, you also placed what they're saying as, as extreme or extreme severe COVID cases in nursing homes, driving those nursing home numbers up also. I think when the final count came out versus what he had originally reported or, or what he had originally had drug out of him, it doubled. So you put a lot of people in harm's way. Those that already had COVID were going into a nursing home facility that possibly didn't have COVID. And somehow or another, those people in there, surprisingly or not so surprisingly, but duh, what do you think? They caught COVID. All because you were in a tiff with Donald Trump? Really? Great leadership. But uh, it seems like a, a, a lot of Democrats in that party are fed up with him. Because a lot of this is coming also from those in that administration that said he was flat out difficult to work with. Probably arrogant, pompous, narcissistic. Wait a minute. Isn't it all the things you said about Trump? Hmm. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, let's move along to Texas. Texas is thawing out. And it's pretty warm here in North Carolina. The weather has most definitely changed from last week. In fact, so... Uh, <laughs> which is odd, I would think. But then again, what do I know? Let me further the explanation. A lot of residents in Texas are receiving high electrical bills. We're talking a thousand plus where some were used to paying maybe a hundred or a couple hundred, a few hundred dollars, the bill shot up to a thousands. Now you may be saying, how so? I mean, they didn't have power. How could that be? Which was my first initial response. How, how, how could that be? They didn't have power. What do you mean they're receiving power bills for uh, a thousand plus? Well, it looks like, and that's why they always say to you, read the fine print of your contract. Any contract you sign, anything you sign up for, whether you sign it or not, read the contract. Apparently, there's a fixed rate that a lot of people elected. 
Well, with this fixed rate, when the power did come back on, apparently they're saying they may have used an excessive amount of power to warm back up. But that doesn't make much sense. I mean, how much power can you use? I mean, yeah, the power was out. Yeah, there was some below, there were some days that they were below, uh, you know, in negative temperature range or or in the teens, and then you had the snow, the ice, or what, and, and what have you. But how can you use that much power in that short a time? Fixed rate or no fixed rate? I think I may have it. Green Deal Renewables, you know, those solar panels and those wind turbines that they're, they're hyping up to be the next big thing. But what do you think happened to them during that climatic change, the ice age? What do you think happened to them? They froze. So now they have to be repaired. So what do you think they're going to pass the buck to? Of course, the consumer. Why not? Why wouldn't they? I mean, the hell, the, elect the regular old electrical companies did this, you know, do the same thing. So it turns out that this Green Deal renewable energy, <laughs> it's just like the old traditional electrical energy in comparison to costs. There is upkeep. I mean, you know, staying here in North Carolina, when we lost power during the ice storm in the early 2000s, when the, uh, all that had to replace all those electrical lines and the poles. Yeah, I saw an increase in your bill. They had to be repaired. And you can rest assured the board isn't going to take the the bite, isn't going to take the, the hit over the head on that. Who do you think they passed it on to? Oh, the good old consumer. How surprising. Looks like that's what's happening here. Yeah, kudos to the Green New Deal. Ooh, it's really working. Renewables. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Tiger Woods is recovering after an awful car accident yesterday. I'm sure like most of you, we got the news yesterday uh, afternoon sometime. Apparently, it left him with a broken leg. A severe fraction. It appears it was broken in more than two places, the tibula and the fibula, and they had to insert a rod into the tibula. And the doctor went as far as to say that uh, the skin was open. Pretty much the bone popped out. Mm. Got to pray for him on that. Apparently, uh, they're saying alcohol and drugs wasn't involved. It appears speeding may have been, a, speeding may have been the cause. Crossed over the median. Crossed two lanes of traffic. In a tree and rolled over multiple times before he came rest in an abankment, if you could say rest. So, we, I mean, wow. First his back and now this. I believe they also said they had to uh, do some work on his ankles and, and foot. I mean, first his back and now this. Uh, most definitely praying for him and, and hopeful for a. I wouldn't say it doesn't appear to be speedy, but a healthy recovery. I'm not much of a golf fan, but I did enjoy watching him play. What, like I said, just just praying for a speedy recovery from him. For him. now, last night I had the uh, 
opportunity, uh, opportunity to uh, moderate for the for a movie night for the Durham GOP. Now I don't know if many of you have heard of this movie. I had heard of it before, and I had to watch it. It's a movie called Uncle Tom by Larry Elders, in which he details the plight of the African-American conservative and how he's received in society, which isn't a surprise. We all know how, uh, how that goes, especially now during this day and age of that council culture and, and controlling the narrative. But, and I'll get to that in a, in a later podcast, but that's most definitely something I want to dive into how you're treated as a black conservative in this country, how you're, 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 perceived as as being a sellout in Uncle Tom. But let's look closely at this word Uncle Tom because I had to really dive into it after I saw the movie. I, I thought to myself, well, what is an Uncle Tom? And I had already knew that an Uncle Tom wasn't, isn't a sellout. Uncle Tom's not a sellout. Never had, never will be. I think somehow, some way, we've all gotten the uh, misinformation or misleading to think that an African American who thinks for himself, stands on his own too, has an original thought, has a backbone, and goes against what is norm or what is traditional, is a sellout because he says he or she says they won't co-sign with the regular norm of of oh I'm oppressed. Oh, I can't go anywhere because the system is against me. So I said to myself, well, what is a sellout? I mean, what is an Uncle Tom? Now, as we all know, we we all remember the uh, novel Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. And the character Uncle Tom is really based off of Josiah Henson, which was a slave from Maryland. Now, They're saying that his memoirs were the key inspiration for Harriet Beecher Stowe's best-selling novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which, by the way, was also the best-selling novel during the 19th century. Now, his life and and the novel, which which was loosely portrayed in the novel, Abraham Lincoln accredited with starting the Civil War. Apparently, there were some in America who who read the novel and said, oh, Lord, how can this be? How can you treat another human being this way? And he, you know, he throughout his life, he also participated in the Underground Railroad, where he freed over 100 slaves, helped them achieve freedom. Now, as I said earlier, the term Uncle Tom is associated with or used to describe blacks who think differently. They have an, a different outlook. You know, you call uh, a sellout. You hate your race. You're trying to fit in. Or you're trying to be accepted by the American mainstream. At that time, the American... Well, we'll get to that anyway. Now... One of the things I found and I discovered was Josiah Henson was the complete opposite of what we would term a, a an Uncle Tom or a sellout. 
In contrast, he would not beat other slaves. He wouldn't beat a black woman. And in fact, at night, oftentimes it's said that he would take cotton from his own bag and place it in the bags of those slaves who didn't pick enough so they wouldn't be beaten during the night. Doesn't sound like a sellout to me. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And he wouldn't tell where others were when they escaped. Hmm. Now, in the, 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 the novel, there's a, another fictional character also named Sambo. Now, <laughs> us in the African-American community, I know we've all heard of, of Sambo. In fact, we will usually put Black Sambo in front of it. Now, Sambo was the complete opposite. Sambo didn't mind telling where the escaped slaves were or what was going on in the, on the plantation to master. He told everything. He didn't hold anything back. In comparison to uh, Uncle Tom, who was pretty stiff-lipped, wouldn't tell anything, wouldn't beat anybody, would help other slaves out so they wouldn't get beaten. Now, just a, a, a quick question. Who's the sellout again? Are you starting to see the, the 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 misinformation here or the misleading that has happened over the years, decades, centuries? I think we may have gotten it confused. I, well, I don't think I, I really do. Sounds like Sambo was the sellout. He told every damn thing. Couldn't keep his mouth closed. Didn't want to keep his mouth closed. He told everything voluntarily and willingly, happily. Did it with bells on. Literally. Now, Josiah Henson's life, like I said, Uncle Tom's cabin is based loosely off of his life, and we'll get into that. Now, in his personal life, at that time, of course, it, it was... Uh, as a child, it was very dark and dreary, gruesome even, even. I mean, between the ages of three and four, one day while he was with his father and they were working, they heard the cries of his mother. So his father went to her aid and found the an overseer assaulting her, of course, maybe assaulting her sexually. They never said, it could have been sexually, he could have been beating her. They never said, but they found the overseer assaulting him her. So the father approached and he ended up putting his hands on the overseer. Well, if you know anything about old slave laws, you know, you cannot touch a white man or woman or child for that matter. So they brought him to the, at that time, as they said, they brought him to the center of the plantation and he received a hundred lashings. And it didn't stop there. They tied him to a tree or tied him to a board somehow and chopped off his right ear. Now, as if that wasn't enough, after all of that was over, they ended up selling him to a slave plantation in Alabama because he was perceived as a troublemaker. Now, a year later, after that, his uh, master died a year later. 
died in a horsing in incident. Apparently, he got so drunk, he fell into a shallow creek and drowned. As a result, the plantation had to be sold along with all the chattel, which is what they called slaves. So, he never saw his father again. And, as a result of his master dying, the family was split up. His mother was sold one place. His brothers and sisters were sold to other places. And he was sold separate. But a ray of light somehow, some years later, he would be reconnected with his mother. Now, wherever he was sold to, he, he, was, he became extremely ill. And I guess that uh, master felt he couldn't take care of him. Probably was heartbroken. I mean, like I said, between the ages of three or four, he saw his father beaten, saw his mother assaulted, saw his father beaten, saw his father Eric being cut off and then being sold down the river to Alabama. So he became ill and somehow, some way, the, the, that master hooked up with the master that owned his mother and he was reunited with his mother. But he never saw his siblings or his father again. Now, however, he quickly fell in favor with uh, his new master. Because of his dedication and hard work, he, he was perceived as an, an upstanding slave. Now, in fact, so he was allowed to, by himself, which many may find surprising, but it really wasn't. There were a lot of slaves that were allowed to travel as long as they had the, what do you call them, slave papers, which explains who they are, who they belong to, where they're going, or what have you. He was allowed with a group of other slaves to travel from Maryland to Kentucky. And they went through the free state of Ohio. Attempting as it was, nobody tried to escape. Not even Henson. Now, as, as life goes on, he returned to the plantation, got married, had kids, and he even decided that, hey, I'm going to save up some money and, and buy my freedom. But his owner cheated him out of his earnings. And when he was confronted by Henson about it, he bold-facedly threatened to sell him also which, again, would separate him from his family. So I guess he said to himself, hey, enough is enough, I'm out. So he and his family escaped to Canada. They developed a settlement there called uh, Dawn, Ontario, Canada, which was a settlement for fugitive slaves. He also established a school for the, the kids there to, so they could receive a proper education. While there, however, he dictated his life to a local writer. Now, they entitled this piece of work, The Life of Josiah Henson, a former slave, now a habitant of Canada. Now, this was written in 1849. Three, year, three years later, in 1852, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Somehow, 
some way, she patterned, patterned Henson's real life story in her book, Uncle Tom, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Now, like I said, somehow, some way, she, she, she got the idea. Really, it's really not clear if she ever met him, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the dates are uh, somewhat misconstrued. But from best I could tell, it looks like he passed before. I, I, I don't know. It looks look like he passed, so I'm not sure how she. But somehow, some way, she got hold of this book and wrote, you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and and she patterned the the main fictional character, Uncle Tom, after Henson's life. However, in her fictional version, the owner ends up killing Henson for not telling the whereabouts of two female escaped slaves. Now, in real life, Henson became a reverend. He was a successful businessman, a community leader, international speaker. He met the Queen of England twice. He was there on official business. The business was he was there to ask for assistance financially, of course, with the new settlement of, uh, for the fugitive slaves. He was invited to the White House, and he was a conductor of the Underground Railroad. So again, I ask you, does that sound like a sellout? I think not. Doesn't sound like a sellout to me. Sounds like somebody who, despite the, despite the odds, got up off of his rear and decided to move forward. Just doesn't sound like a sellout to me. A sellout, in my opinion, is someone who stands still and, and, and hopes and prays for it to be given to him. You know, like my mama used to say, because I, I was a bit of a knucklehead in school, I, I must admit. And she would tell me, "Where well, you're just standing still, allowing, waiting for it to fall out the sky. Guess what? It, it ain't going to fall out the sky. So it seems like he was the type of man who, who saw himself in a, a bad predicament. And like I said, he said, enough is enough. I'm out. I'm going to make a better way for me and my family. I'm not going to end up like my mother and my siblings, and my father. So he took control of his own life no matter what. Doesn't sound like a sellout to me. Doesn't sound like an Uncle Tom. Not the Uncle Tom we have been traditionally told. You know, if we're going by the definition traditionally of what an Uncle Tom is, a black person who, who hates his race, or, or 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 has an original doesn't he feels the race is is the worst thing on earth that would be sambo to me i would think then again maybe i'm wrong but i mean hey that that sounds like a sellout now like i said i had the opportunity last night to uh moderate the movie 
and, and that's where this topic came from. Uncle Tom, I had the, it was a, it's a movie by Larry Elder. And, and I must admit in this movie, it, it really brought to the forefront or made, and even made me think that how can we as African-Americans criticize other African-Americans that say to you, Hey, you have to do for yourself because I've said, if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. It seems as though we're standing stagnant, waiting on it to fall out of the sky. We're standing still, stagnant, docile, waiting for prosperity or a better way of life to fall out of the sky. And we're relying on someone else to help us out. Now, a lot can be said about that that statement of waiting on someone to help us out. Another thing my mother always taught me was never allow or never wait on another human being to do anything for you. As she saw it, there's no way in the world that another human being is going to put themselves ahead of you. And they shouldn't. You should already have in your mind that you're going to do for yourself no matter what. Now, she was an, she grew up as a sharecropper. My great-grandmother and grandfather were sharecroppers here in North Carolina. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, how can they have that mindset? I mean, they're sharecroppers. They're oppressed. Oh, woe's me. However, it was the complete opposite. As it was explained to me, an education was the key for me to get my, you know, not to fall down that that path that so many African-Americans had or were falling down or had fallen down. So I would say that this theory of, of, of Uncle Tom, who, who misled the narrative on that or who started the process of calling those African-Americans who, who were doing for themselves, uncle Tom's, did they stop helping others that weren't, you know, like I said, my mother always said to me, Hey, why would another human being help you out? And I say to you, why would another human being help you out? If you're standing still, not doing anything, that person and, and I hate to put it like this, but that person, yeah, they may try to, they, they can come back and help you. But when they come back to help you and you're still standing there and you're still in your woe is me attitude, you're going to drag that person down. And that person can't have that. That's not a sellout. Maybe you're the sellout because you're standing still, waiting for it to fall out the sky, waiting for you to, to, somebody to give it to you. Another thing I was taught, why would you rely on another person to give you something? When you rely on another person to give you something, when you rely on another person to give you something, you're placing yourself in a docile situation to be taken advantage of. And hasn't that been the case for African-Americans for so many years? Case in point, election time. 
They give you all the who's and the hoops and the oh, woe's me. I understand your sorrows and we're going to change this. We're going to make it better. And then when they win the election, they're out. Oh, well, some people may get a little extra incentive or, or what have you, I guess. So my question to you is, how much of a personal responsibility do you think you need to take for your own life? And stop looking at those that are moving forward with their lives with jealousy and envy in your eyes and calling them Uncle Toms. Are they really Uncle Toms or are they human beings that are moving and doing what they're supposed to do? Or are they Uncle Toms or are they really human beings that are taking advantage of God's given, their God-given right? I don't think it's a difficult question. I just think so many of us have found ourselves in a difficult situation that we have become accustomed to. We've grown to accept not mediocrity, but just lowly, lowlyism, just lowliness. We're at a low point or, or, or you're at a low point in your life and, and you've gotten comfortable with that. You're wallowing in it. I was also taught, don't wallow in your misery for too long. Because you'll find yourself laying there forever. Your whole life you'll be spent wallowing in misery. And that's what a lot of African Americans find themselves in. Not just now, but throughout the years. They're wallowing in misery. And they've become so content with it that it has become a normal part of their life. Not even failure, because failure, com failure comes from you trying. A lot of them will not try. They will stay there. And I know some people are going to say, well, how can you talk like that? Because I, too, was once that person. Truthfully, honestly, I can tell you I was that guy who got trapped in that vortex of misery. And I wallowed in it. I relished in it. I enjoyed it. And I can tell you also that if my mother had been alive, she probably would have kicked me well. It wouldn't have been a pretty sight. But yeah, I was that person. And I know how easy it is to get caught in that. I, I, I'm not going to sit here like I'm uh, standing on a soapbox or sitting on my high horse and 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 look down and point my finger and, and look down at you over the, the rim of my glasses. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you straight up. Yeah, I was that person. I wallowed in misery. I was that pro-black radical guy. Oh, the oppression of the white man. Oh, it's, it's, I was the downtrodden. I was that guy. I was that man. Yes, I was. But at some point in time in my life, I took an internal survey. And I looked around and I looked at myself and I said to myself, you know what? Ultimately, when it's all said and done, I asked myself a question. I said, who's responsible for this? My answer, me. 
yeah, there's a lot of things out here that that can pull you in, and I, I get that. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you, the individual person, are responsible for your own life. Now, when it becomes others' responsibility or others who you say are inflicting misery on you, it's because you have allowed yourself to be in a subservient position by standing still, waiting on it to fall out of the sky, which it never does. Hey, I'm looking up at the sky now. I don't see anything falling. I don't see any gold falling. I don't see any money falling. So it never happens. So what I'm saying to you is somehow, some way, you have to get right with yourself. You got to figure out what's your holdup, what's holding you back. It can't always be the man. It can't always be the system. Yeah, there are some things out there that are purposely placed there to, to, to hold you back or make you stagnant. But it's only there if you choose. Life is about choices. That is, that is a given. I, I can't dispute that. Everything is about life is full of choices. You choose a lot of things in life. You can, you can, you can take many different avenues. We all have. Like I said, I was that guy. I took that, that road or, or that avenue where I would stand around and bitch, piss, and moan and gripe about the system, the white man. The, hell, I even started bitching, pissing, and moaning about the black woman. Yep, sure did. Bitch pissed him on about the police. Did it all. Anybody I can find to lay the blame at, on, at or on, I found him. But I couldn't find a way to get my head out of my own, you know what, and get myself together. Until I took that life-altering internal survey. And finally I said, enough is enough. Cut the nonsense. I know how it is. I know how it is to get down and out on yourself. Believe me, I do. And it's very easy to do. It doesn't. It requires little or no effort whatsoever. And what you're going to find is a lot of people are going to be there saying, oh, "I understand your pain and your sorrow. Woe is you. Let me let me help you out. Here's a few bucks. Here's this. Here's that." Then sometime later, they're going to turn back around and say, "Hey, I need this, 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 or whatever as a favor." And you're going to find yourself in a in a continual perpetual cycle of just being subservient. Let's call it what it is. It's sub subservient. That that's just what it is. A subservient situation and position. Many African Americans have found themselves in because of their reluctance and refusal to take an internal survey of themselves and their lives. Now, Uncle Tom, that guy wasn't a sellout by any stretch of the imagination. Sambo, that's your sellout. Didn't try anything. Didn't want to try anything. All he knew was the how to be a slave. And when others would try to better themselves by escaping, he told on them. 
That's a sellout. I mean, hey, that is a sellout. I mean, by definition, if we remove the Uncle Tom and, and, and just read the definition, then your conclusion should be it wasn't Uncle Tom. It was Sambo was the sellout. Yes, yeah, Sambo was that sellout. He was that dude. If he was alive today, he would be called a snitch. Yeah, he would be called a snitch. That's the one who has self-hatred for his race. That's the one who has self-hatred for himself. That's a sellout. That was the one that was contempt and, and, and complacent with being a slave. Didn't see anything greater. Didn't want anything greater. All he knew was he was getting food and clothes and he had a little shelter over his head. So he was good. That's a sellout. Not Uncle Tom. Well, Josiah Henson, not Josiah Henson. He was far from it. He was the complete opposite. Hell, he wasn't even in the equation as it relates to the, the defining the term sellout. He showed no characteristics of that. In fact, the characteristics he showed was of a man who wanted to stand on his own two feet, no matter what. He wanted to have an original thought, have a backbone, and damn it, he lived his life as such. That was not, I don't know how we got that, that, those two mixed up. I don't know if it was implanted in our brains somehow, but far as I can tell, I just didn't see the, the, the sellout from by this, this, this classic definition, I didn't see the sellout from Josiah Henson, which, like I said, the, the, the story Uncle Tom's Cabin is loosely based on. Well, that's all for me. And I did enjoy myself last night at the moderation of, of, of this event. It got me to thinking, made me think, made me reflect. May as oftentimes I, I tell people it's a good thing to be truthful with yourself. It's a good thing to reflect and think back and be truthful with yourself. Because in being truthful with yourself, you can allow yourself to grow. Grow to new heights. So last night event was was that. Made me think. I met some I met some very interesting people and had some intelligent dialogue. Like I said, I think this this it's a documentary by El, Larry Elder. I think a lot of people need to, to look at this. I think a lot of people, if they look at it objectively with an open mind and ears, they may just find out that, one, they've been misled and misinformed by the narrative of, of, of a sellout or Uncle Tom. And another thing that's really scary to some Democrats is they may find themselves signing with the Republican Party or siding with the Republican Party. May find out they're not as liberal as they thought they were. I can attest to that also. I can attest to that also. During that self-inventory, I came to some realizations about my... Uh, Political views and thoughts. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all 
for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response, and I would love to hear your voice. As I always say, I'm thick-skinned, not going to bite, not physically, verbally maybe. So, offer your feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and now on Verbal, which is another streaming platform for podcasts. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. Amen.